Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business, and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket, everyone. Saul Marquez here. Today, I am joined by the amazing Karthik Ganesh. He's the CEO at Empirics Health, the industry's only value-based PBM with a clinically focused and tech-enabled approach to bending the RX cost curve. He is also the author of The Happiness Model, a book that explores resilience and finding inner peace under the most difficult of circumstances. Karthik is passionate about maximizing value at health service companies while also creating a culture of belonging that embraces new ideas and deliberate approaches to tackling key healthcare challenges. Applying these leadership principles, he has built Empirics Health into an Inc. 1000 company and certified great place to work while transforming it into a high growth and high innovative engine. Karthik, I don't know how you do so much, but I'm excited to have you here and to learn about the the work that you guys are up to. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You know, I love that you are so focused on not only results, but also fulfillment and happiness. And so I'm excited to dive into our conversation today. Before we explore what Empirics Health is doing, tell us a little bit about you and what inspires your work in healthcare. Thanks for that question, Saul. I've seen healthcare from a number of different um, a number of different angles. I've seen healthcare as a management consultant. I've seen health uh, with both Deloitte and Ernst and Young. I've seen healthcare sitting squarely in the midst of some extremely large corporations with Aetna, Cigna, etc., Express Scripts, uh, and then I've seen healthcare from a provider and a provider-sponsored lens and really a value-oriented lens over the last ten years. So I've really, what I've been able to, um, I've been privileged truly to be able to see healthcare from so many different lenses and really figure out what, um, really assess for myself what's working and what's not. And I truly believe in life. Sometimes we have, we learn more from lessons learned more so than best practices. So I have a ton of lessons learned that I try bringing to every organization I'm a part of. Well, I think that's great. I totally agree with you. We definitely learn more from from our failures than our, our successes and they get ingrained. So we'll touch on one of your biggest setbacks later in the in the interview, which we'll, we hope to learn from you there. So talk to us a little bit about Empirics Health. How are you guys exactly adding value to the healthcare ecosystem? Sure. When you look at value-based healthcare at large, right? I mean, we've been talking about value-based care now for 13 plus years. So value-based care has continued to be about the payer holding the provider accountable. But who's holding the payer accountable, right? 80%, 82% of healthcare costs in this country are borne by employers, yet the employers are squarely sitting on the sidelines as it pertains to all things value-based care, Mm -hmm. which is just unfortunate. I mean, just think about it. If you picked up 80% of the tab and had zero control over the outcome and just kept getting yanked in one direction or another, I mean, how fulfilling is that if you're an employer and how excited does an employer get to continue funding an employer-based insurance system, right? So when we look at Empirics Health, the paradigm that we're looking to shift as the only value-based play is this. 
the reason employers, when I said employer, employers getting yanked, the reason the system hasn't worked for employers is because while payers, health plans, PBMs would love to talk about, forget PBMs for a second, health plans especially would love to talk about value-based as it pertains to providers, their interactions with employers are volume-based. PBMs, especially with PBMs now, pharmacy benefits are 25% plus of healthcare costs. Pharmacy benefits are uh, continue to be volume-based. It feels like retail. It's volume-based discounts. It's arbitrage, which is why PBMs are you know, referred to as middlemen versus a part of the healthcare continuum. Empirics Health is changing that. When we say we're the only value-based PBM, we're doing a number of things that you would squarely put into the mold of the triple aim or the quadruple aim as it pertains to healthcare at large. One, our financial model is pay for performance. Our financial outcomes literally depend on how our clients do. So if our clients do better, we do better. That's the first part to it. The second part to it is this notion of condition-oriented clinical anything. We've been trying it as an industry for 25, 30 plus years. It hasn't worked. Costs keep going up. Population orientation is where we need to be right now. COVID has taught us that all over again. We are a pure population health play. Then you start thinking about employer satisfaction in tandem with patient satisfaction. And because again, the folks who are picking up 80% of the tab divert, you know, deserve some love as well. We are a white glove service model for not just our members, but we bring client, you know, even client services for us at a 24 by 7 shop. Because we understand that clients deserve, our employers deserve that kind of attention as well. And then you put the, from a quadruple aim standpoint, you take the layer of staff satisfaction. We're a certified great place to work. We understand that the employee experience is always going to translate to the customer experience. And that's where we've been able to really change the mold and bring, again, the industry's only value-based PBM, the industry's only population health, pharmacy-driven population health play. And again, the industry is only pay for performance model as well. Yeah, that's really, really interesting, Karthik. I appreciate the, you outlining that. So help us understand. Walk us through how you're delivering this value-based play and talk to us about how you're doing it different, right? Because obviously it's different, right? So talk to us about how the mechanics of that work and, and what that looks like. Sure. So you look at, you know, you look at a volume-based, a traditional volume-based play. I have to be able to set the context for where this, where the market has been and where the market continues to be to be able to showcase the difference, right? Every single PBM out there, whether they call themselves traditional or transparent, the model is based on volume. The way they make money is when volume goes up. Yet when volume goes up, we're essentially saying we are okay with more drugs being pumped into the healthcare system. When volume goes up, the employer's healthcare spend goes up as well. So there's, there is a fundamental misalignment between when the PBM does better and when the employer does better. Because if the employer is truly doing better, it's going to be tough in a volume-based model for the PBM to do better. Because yeah. it's just the fundamental dichotomy of one, you know, one goes up, the other has to come down. When you look at what we're doing from an empiric standpoint, so we put, we will put like every other PBM out there, we offer rebate and discount guarantees because those are things that are par for the course as it pertains to being in the space. And then what we also put on the table, Saul, are hard clinical guarantees. When I say hard clinical guarantees, they are fully auditable on a claim by claim basis. The beauty of pharmacy benefits are that claims are adjudicated in real time. So you really don't have to extrapolate and say, well, if you do these kinds of things, you should expect these kinds of outcomes. You can see on a claim by claim basis exactly what's going on. So when, when prescription A, when therapy A is prescribed for a patient, 
that we feel that goes through our artificial intelligence algorithm. We use the Johns Hopkins ACG. We use a number of very sophisticated tools as a part of that. When it goes through that algorithm and it's identified as an opportunity for an intervention, our pharmacists work directly with physicians, which to have a clinical consultation and switch therapies from A to B, from higher cost to a lower cost therapy, from a, while ensuring clinical efficacy is either unchanged or improved. The fact that we are using a clinical consultation to drive costs down is where the difference comes in. Our clinical guarantees are pure pay for performance. If we don't hit those numbers, we pay the difference dollar for dollar. We don't charge administrative fees. So the only way we make money is when we overperform on those clinical guarantees. So it truly in its purest form is a downside risk model. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting, Carlos. So the clinical guarantee is basically you're going to deliver equivalent or better care at a lower cost. Correct. You have another drug that can do the same thing. Correct. Okay, I'm with you. I'm tracking. Just yeah. want to make sure we're on the same page. And so you've got a patient, you've got uh, claim level data, and they go for a particular therapy. It triggers the algorithm. There's an opportunity for something different. So that gets passed on to a clinician that then vets it and says, yeah, there's an opportunity to do, to do better here. I take that even one step further, Saul. When you look at accountable care organizations, right? Look at ACOs, especially Medicare for Service, the places where they've done extremely well is where the patient panel is well stratified from a risk standpoint. Predictive models are in place to see not just where clinical and financial risk exists right now, but where it could go. When this comes in, when the claim, if you will, comes in that might have an opportunity, it runs through our Johns Hopkins plus other clinical algorithms. What is handed off to a clinician on our end is a full case summary. So it's, it's all of the information is curated and handed off for a clinical consult. And then you've got our clinicians engaging with the physician directly to switch, essentially drive behavior change. Physicians came from the provider-sponsored world. Physicians will engage all day long in the clinical conversation and are willing to change the prescription if it's a clinical ration, there's a clinical rationale for it versus an arbitrary formulary or administrative rationale for it. Fascinating. Fascinating. No, thank you for that. And certainly unique, you know, layering in both the financial and clinical outcomes is certainly unique. Talk to us about how one of these instances or many of them across a, an employer have led to, to better business results and, and improved outcomes. So our first client came to us in 2015 and they're sitting on the same PMPMs as when they came to us in 15. I mean, you look at an industry where specialty growth is anywhere from 21 to 24%. On average, the self-funded employer sees their pharmacy spend growing by 15 to 17% year over year. Our first client is sitting on the same PMPM. Most of our clients, on an average, experience a 15% drop in their PMPMs in year one. We have an, about 70% of our book is sitting on negative trend right now on a multi-year basis. This is why, I mean, our retention is 98% plus, and we're growing. we're the fastest growing PBM on the block. An employer, especially the HR team at an employer's is picking a partner to, to service their employees. You know, while on one hand, especially, and this, is gets, this gets magnified now with COVID, right? You've got, I always feel like you've got me, especially having sat on, the, sat on the employer side of the house and buying benefits for our employees as well. You've got one voice that tells you lowest cost because the bottom line is important. But then you realize that it's, you're talking about people and their families. So you can't, you can't divorce 
the financial aspect, the health-wealth intersection becomes incredibly important as a part of that thought process. And giving employers the peace of mind to say, you don't have to choose. You don't have to choose between health outcomes and financial outcomes. You don't have to choose between cost and access. These are artificial dichotomies that the industry has propagated. You can have both if done right. Yeah, well said. Well said, Karthik. And astounding the amount of money that employers are paying and it just keeps going up every single year. It's really unacceptable. And if there's a solution that could get you both savings and improved or, you know, the same type of health outcomes, why not? And a lot of these things, it's just so difficult for the untrained eye. And and it sounds like Karthik, you and your team have have done a really great job of building the systems and processes to to make these types of opportunities clear for all of us. So talk to us about a setback. All of this didn't just come together easy peasy, right? Talk to us about a setback you've experienced and what you learned from that. You know, I would say so two things. One, Saul, I'm um, I'm not a big believer in headwinds mm-hmm. because you turn your back to the headwind, it becomes a tailwind, right? <laughs> so uh, the uh, with that being said, there is a fundamental underlying, I'm not going to call it a setback, but there's an underlying, I'm going to say, maybe the word is setback, there's an underlying you know, factor that kind of weighs innovation down in our industry at large. And that factor is a lack of inertia. That factor is an acceptance of status quo. That factor is that there is no other facet of our lives where we would pick up 80% of the tab and not demand something more. And um, this lack of inertia, this, this acceptance of old, tired solutions, this acceptance that it's okay for pharmacy benefit managers to behave like retail entities, it's okay for them to act like middlemen. I mean, when, when they're called middlemen, PBMs are called middlemen, the industries, well, we're, we're adding value. Well, let's take that back, please. They're adding value just like any other retailer in the industry would, where you're probably buying for one price point and selling for a better price point and you know, building an arbitrage model. That's not value. So there's this, this overwhelming, you know, this pull-down effect, if you will, where when you go out and you're talking about cost and access not being mutually exclusive. Some of this needs a little bit of, um, you need to be pushing harder to communicate this than you would have thought would be required because people are so, some of the stuff is so ingrained into the way we've thought about buying insurance or buying pharmacy benefits at large, which I, w- I will be candid with you, Saul. This, that's for all of the, the challenges that COVID has brought our way over the last, let's say, you know, 13, 14 months. That's the most exciting, the thing that excites me the most. Have employers reached that breaking point where they understand that the employer is going to drive the reimagining of healthcare in this country? Mm-hmm. Have they reached a breaking point? I hope they have. Listen, Karthik, I agree, you know, and that 82% figure is just like, you know, where else? Where else do you tolerate it? And I too have, have a lot of hope for what employers in this country can do for healthcare. It's a big opportunity. And I think to your point, a lot of employers are smelling the coffee and they're waking up and they're taking advantage of things like you and your company, right? Empirics Health is doing. Uh, There's a big opportunity here. You're doing an awesome job, you and your team, Karthik, and we appreciate it. As you look ahead, what would you say you're most excited about? I will tell you the reimagining of healthcare in this country with the employer 
to your point, smelling the coffee, stepping up and leading the charge, calling out cost and access shouldn't be mutually exclusive. Employees, employer satisfaction is when we think about healthcare services and we think about, you know, let's say we either us or a family member had to go and see a physician or a friend. The two questions that would come to mind would be, is the person competent and well-credentialed, right? And the second, does the person have a great bedside manner? Why shouldn't health services companies, why shouldn't insurers, why shouldn't PBMs have a great bedside manner? Why shouldn't they be taking care of the folks who are picking up 80% of the tab? That, and that should come from employers putting their foot down and saying, enough is enough, time for a change. And, um, you know, we see telehealth picking up. There are so many facets of our healthcare system right now, Saul, that um, I'm just excited in terms of what the next 10 years could bring. I'm hoping with, with the fact that mental health is just a, an overwhelming factor. It's a tsunami in the midst of all things COVID. I'm, I'm really hoping that mental health stops being a taboo. People embrace it. People understand that now is the time for us to collectively, as a society, as a country, step up and embrace that mental health is, could be, quite frankly, the driver of physical health challenges. There's just so much to be excited about in the next 10 to 15 years. There is, Karthik. I couldn't agree with you more. We need people to step up to the plate and, and start making that change because it starts with one and then two and then three. And so, Karthik, the work that you and your team are doing is making a difference in the PBM space. You called out mental health and beyond. So I appreciate what you guys are doing and, and the listeners also appreciate the work you guys are doing. If somebody listening today, if your message resonated with them, What's the best way for them to get in touch and interact with you and your team? I'm on LinkedIn all the time. Very active contributor on LinkedIn. EmpiricsHealth.com, E-M-P-I-R-X, health.com. I mean, we are, again, the only value-based PBM. And um, if you're looking for cost, access, and an incredible service experience, we are the place. And the thing that excites me is, in our own way, we are impacting the total cost of care. We're just very excited about the journey we're on. Awesome. Yeah. So if you're tired of paying a lot of money every single year, I think Karthik's your guy. And Empirics Health is, is the company you got to check out. As he mentioned, Empirics, E-M-P-I-R-X. You could check them out at Outcomes Rocket 2, OutcomesRocket.health. Type in Empirics, E-M-P-I-R-X in the search bar, and you'll see our entire show notes transcript links to Karthik's LinkedIn and, and the company. So you could start exploring how you too can get more value out of the 82% that you're covering in your employee benefits. So Karthik, thank you so much. This has been super interesting and uh, certainly grateful for the work that you and your team are, are doing. Thank you, Saul. Take care. Stay warm. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You too. Hey, everyone. Saul Marquez here. Have you launched your podcast already and discovered what a pain it could be to keep up with editing, production, show notes, transcripts, and operations? What if you could turn over the keys to your podcast busy work while you do the fun stuff like expanding your network and taking the industry stage? Let us edit your first episode for free so you can experience the freedom. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.